was intimidated by Britney Spears. It was featured as a B-side to her huge global hit, I'm a Slave for You, which came out back in 2001. It was also featured on the soundtrack for Jimmy Neutron. More about that later. But thank you for listening. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is the Original Doll Podcast, in which I interview songwriters and producers and more about their music, about the stories behind those global number one hits, those deep cuts, those demos, and unreleased. We also give back, so for every question a guest answers, we get items donated to charity. That's right, you are able to listen to us helping all these other people, from women in domestic abuse shelters to homeless LGBT plus teens and more. And even better, you can be a part of this. If you listen to this podcast within the first 24 hours on Apple Podcast, we get an item donated for each new listen that we receive. So just you listening, you're helping us out. So thank you so much. Big shout out to my Patreon followers from Tyler to Tommy to Xavier to Rochelle, Jenny, Max, Rami, Frankie, Lucy, Kelly, Tony, so many more people. Thank you, thank you, thank you all so much. Appreciate all of the support. For those who want to support the podcast, we have merchandise and we have a Patreon page. Go to www.theoriginaldoll.com for more information. But let's jump right into this. We're going to talk about Intimidated, which it's one of those Britney songs that fans either love or not so much. So we talked with Josh Schwartz about creating this song and more songs that were featured on the soundtrack. So I want you to sit back, relax, as I present you with the Original Doll Podcast. So these are all the different Slave for You singles. Oh my God. Which has Intimidated on it. But what this is the part that off though is on the back credits, uh-huh. you and Brian are nowhere listed on there whatsoever. Even on the writing? It, said, it says yeah. produced by, it doesn't even, that's the thing. It doesn't show oh, writing. Okay. It just shows produced by Rodney Jerkins, all instruments, Rodney Jerkins, backing vocals, Jenny Carr and Rena Mayo. I don't know who that is. Probably one of Rodney's people. See, I don't know. I was in the um, room. Where I, I recorded that at Rodney's what? house in Orlando. Um, they brought Rodney in on the third record last minute because Clive wasn't going to go down without names. You know, he's not going to just put our name on it. We weren't Rodney at the time. So, you know, 
he they put his name on Lonely. He didn't do anything. He used his mix engineer. I think he changed the snare drum. He did add that rap in the middle, um, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't have a problem with that. So we gave him a small piece of publishing, but he didn't ask for like 80%. It was a small piece. It wasn't a big deal. Rodney was, I, I worked with Rodney a lot um, back then. And we spent a lot of time together with Brittany. And that's when we wrote Intimidated. She wanted something like Michael Jackson. And it's really hard to get that shuffle, like to master that the way you make me feel, that that feel. And we had a lot of trouble with uh, that. Rodney's very good at that. Rodney's awesome. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything bad. It's just um, at the time, uh, Intimidated, he was the producer. So we were just kind of relegated to, to writing. But uh, we were, it was me, Brittany, Brian, and uh, Rodney. Yeah, we were at his house in Orlando. And who, that's all I remember. Who decided to give that, that breakdown of the B-R-I-T-N-E-Y? Because like, there are very few songs of hers where, like at that point where mm-hmm. she gives herself a shout out in her own song. and it was probably Rodney. I don't remember that's kind of his thing. I, I don't remember. That was God. This was holy. I mean, this is like a thousand years ago. I haven't. Um, yeah. Well, and what's crazy is when they reissued "Intimidated" on the singles box set, there are two different vocal take parts in there that aren't on the original one. Okay, original doll listeners, this is the part where it's important. If you have headphones, make sure that they're on. Uh, what I did was. I'm playing both versions, the single version from the Slave For You soundtrack, or the Slave For You and the Jimmy Neutron soundtrack, and then the other is the remastered version. What you'll hear in one ear is one version, and the other ear, the other version. You may at first not hear a difference, but then when you start hearing the other um, background vocals and things like that, that's where it starts changing. So this is the last, let's say, minute of the song. So listen and see if you hear, when you hear something more in the center, uh, as if the, the voice in the center is singing to you, that means both of them are playing the same part. But when you hear left side, it's one version, right side, it's the other version. Hope that makes sense. But let me know what you think. Uh, a lot of people only mark one part that, oh, there's this little part, there's this laugh, or this part where she omits it. But this, you can actually hear the complete difference for both of the endings. Here we go. Put those headphones on and let me know what you think. Don't forget Instagram, dot, dot, original, dot, dot. So baby, take your chances and show you I know we wrote it. It didn't make the record and they used it on, I think Jimmy Neutron or something like that. And I produced, I produced Parents Don't Understand. Yeah, I did Parents Don't Understand for that too. Um, for Little Romeo and Thrill W and all that, which was, that was interesting, you know? Uh, <laughs> that was Master P coming in with Little Romeo. Thrill W I've had a relationship with. This is son. Little Romeo oh, was his son. His Why did son. He yeah, he's in there. And he came in 
And uh, he gave us, I think he gave us like 15 minutes to record him. And we took three takes and it was like, just this moment where it was me, Brian and, and our publisher who was ignoring the record at the time. And uh, our publisher was just a real straight, like uh, from New York, just a real, just, just, just this great guy, Eric, who uh, was, didn't know how to talk to a guy like Master P. So he'd be like super duper white about it. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Like, Hey P let me ask you a question. But, you know, can we, do we have what we need? And P's like, that's good. Romeo, we out. Let's go. Like, it was just this insane, I'm just sitting here like, wow, this guy, you can't tell him we got to do it again. Like, 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 I'm like, do you think we have what we need? Because Romeo was good. He was good. And, and Nick Cannon was there. He was easy to work with. So I had a relationship with him already. Real W was there and I've had a really long time relationship with them prior to that too. So it was those two, th that was fine. But when Romeo came in, P came in with an entourage and then, and then he, when he left, that was it. But instead of leaving, he goes, that's enough. That's enough. You got enough. It's my new track. And he played it and he cranked it up and took over to studio and started playing his music. And it was called like, ooh, or some, it doesn't matter. It's not important. It never did anything, but we're in there and we're, we're, we're like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm like, what do, we, do we tell him to leave? Do we tell him? He said we didn't have enough. He said we, 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 need, we didn't know any more time with his son to, to record, but he proceeded to play us like his whole next record, like loud, like, and get all, you know, like, and I'm sitting here like, I, I got work to do, bro. Like, well, we got, we got shit to do. <laughs> well, did you know then? Okay, so you knew that that was going to be on the soundtrack that 3LW parents yeah. just don't understand. So was... Yes, because Peter Thea and it was Peter Thea and Steve Lund and they were airing that soundtrack and they said, can you redo that song? And of course, that song is my childhood. So I'm like, yes, we'll just... Re so we wrote it, Brian and I wrote a new hook, which was the, the sing-along the sing kind of hook of parents don't understand. And then 3LW cut that and then Nick Cannon and Romeo did the, the verses. So did you know... Because this is the question I think many people were asking me in general is with the song like Intimidated going not going to be on the, the the Britney project, but the soundtrack, at what point do you find out that the song is going to be on a different project? Um, after hearing the song back after it was done, I was like, this is a, I wasn't like, wow, uh, certain songs, you know, are going to make the record. You hear Lonely back, you're like, OK, that's dope. That's going to be fine. Anticipating. I knew for a fact because Barry Weiss and Clive Calder came into the studio and were like, we love this. This is so, so, so cool. What a great feel, like seventies feel for her. And so we knew that was going to make the record. Just kind of, everybody was kind of smiling. It was playing, but intimidated was, wasn't very good, you know? So they just used it. Like, you know, you have all this material, you may as well use it for something. I guess that that's what I'm thinking. You invested in this. So, and so it's like, use it. They paid Rodney. Uh, first time so you know you're going to use it so then when that happens so intimidated goes over to the soundtrack then do you start working on those like the parents just don't understand because the crazy thing is i looked at that that the soundtrack itself and it has like aaron carter on there and sing yeah. you know what i mean like no secrets it has a bunch of these people that you yourself were familiar with at this time really b-sides is probably just get left over laying around you know the publishing company jive is the smartest company I think at that time, at least when, when music sold and people made money from music, now they make money from other things, the TikTok, whatever. 
But when they made money from the actual music, Clive was the smartest guy alive because he signed not only the, the writers and the artists, he signed all their publishing. He owned everything. So if something was out there, it was like, what do we got? You know, going to the, going to the vaults, what do we have? And, and they'd start, all the songs were owned by him too. Like he wouldn't take a Diane Warren record and he should have, but he didn't, you know? Um, and I guess financially speaking, he was smarter and he didn't have to. He, he knew these, these albums were going to sell either way. So he didn't take, he took Max because Max was signed to us. He took, uh, you know, songs from, from Sharon in Sweden. He took songs from anybody that was, uh, you know, R. Kelly even did a song on the fourth Britney, Britney record because he's published by Clive. I know he's not very popular right now, but I mean, he did. He did Outrageous, I believe, was the song. I remember Britney saying she was excited to work with him, but yeah. R. Kelly was the back. So until until so um there's really you know you just have these leftovers i, I don't want to make it sound like it's anything special it really wasn't it was just like hey we got this song we're going to use it on this um that happened all the time that was that was common and i wanted to know because uh jenny carr has been a guest on a previous episode and she's coming up uh on another episode where we talk about her vocal yeah. producing uh stars are blind you know paris hilton and stuff oh i remember that yeah yeah how did Jenny get involved with, because I know she said that you you and Brian like grabbed her and took her under, you know, your wings and were like, mm-hmm. we need you for here, here, here. How did Jenny get involved in, in, in these songs? I remember we met Jenny, oh God, I think we met her at like, do you know a guy named Patrick Allen? He, um, he's in Europe now, but he was, he used to ho- host like a seventh on seven, that seven on seven, what was it called? Open mic nights where people sang like sang like they'd come in and he would do it um he he was like him and there was a couple of other guys one of them passed away but patrick moved to europe in the early 2000s and he does it there now so we used to go to those open mic nights to find talent brian and i because we were writers and everybody else was singers so um i i believe we met jen there at one of those open mic nights on 7th avenue in the village years ago she was singing and we just ended up becoming friends. And then I'm not really, sh- I can't remember. I think we hired her to do some demo work. And then we found that her voice just had this unique quality to it that blended with Britney really well. And we used her and another woman named Audrey Martels. Um, you probably saw her name on some stuff. She is still an artist doing her thing. I, I, Jen, I know is, is an artist and doing her thing and a vocal coach as well, right? But I think we met Jen through mm-hmm. Patrick Allen. He'll host an open mic and you'll see people like Mary Mary and you'll see people like, like, like Jen or um, I'm trying to think like, awesome. we saw a bunch of people. Corey Rooney used to come through with his artists and everybody would just kind of do their thing oh, wow. at Patrick's open mics. Um, I mean, oh, Billy, I think Billy Porter, as far as uh, it was, it was just all those singers like that New York sound back in the 2000s where everybody was like singing. Like love is on the way, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. Like, was that Billy Porter, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, before he before he did Broadway and everything. Yeah, he was signed to Sony, right? Is it the same guy? You're right. Guy. Yep. Billy so Porter, guys like yep. that were out, just hanging out, and that was where we met Jen, like at all those venues, like where. So we just became friends, and then over the time, we just developed a relationship. That's how we kind of hooked up with Jen. Oh, I love. Well, and the great thing is, in an episode coming up, the listeners are going to be able to hear, and listeners for the you know for those who are like trying to keep track of anything, Jenny actually is going to go in. And we talk about anticipating and like how harmonies and everything work. Oh, yeah. And so how she, 
how she talks about like, you know, that it's not the same one take that you hear as a background vocal. You do a take for left, you do a take for right, whatever it is. Like there's so much yeah. vocals that go into things. And she, I think what's great is that when now hearing her voice, it's like, oh, I can hear those because a lot of people don't realize on pop songs, there are a lot of voices. Max Martin is on almost every Britney song he ever wrote. Absolutely. You hear him, baby, one more time. You hear it when the, yeah. Well, and then you're on, and it's funny because it's like somebody was like, find out, don't hang up. Who's on that vocoder? Who's making that? I was like, that was that's, me. that's Josh. Yeah. I was, they're like, what? I go, don't worry, because that episode is coming out. Uh, the don't hang up one where you talk about like, with, with like thrift store shopping or finding a like a... we have I have that vocoder in the basement here. It's a Rollins. Uh, God, it's that thing was a fortune. It's the same one. Um, I mean, it's from the seventies or the early eighties. Yeah, I, I know I have it down there somewhere. It's like an SV. How do you? So then, let me ask you this though: when you're when you're working on, so let's say you know, Jen is there. Does she come in? And for your experience with her, does she come in after the lead vocals are cut? Or is everything packaged and you're just waiting for the lead vocals to be done? On Britney, we, we, uh, on Britney it was done after the fact because uh, we wrote and recorded those songs all at the same time in, at a place called Rusk on La Brea and Sunset. Have no fear, we will be back with Josh Schwartz very, very, very soon. I wanna give a special shout out to all my patron followers, Peter, Xavier, Tyler, Tommy, Jenny, uh, Max, Rami, Frankie, Lucy, Kelly, Anthony, Tiffany, Rob, and everyone else. Thank you so much. And big shout out to Rochelle. Thank you for the DMs. I appreciate it so much. Don't forget, that's a way to support this podcast to make sure it stays free. Go ahead, buy the merch. Uh, and when you join Patreon, you'll be able to get some access to some great coupon codes to get some authentic Britney Spears old school. Like I'm talking old school, 1998, 2000 merchandise. We'll be able to get at a discounted rate through our site. So go ahead and follow Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Original Doll, or just go to the website, www.TheOriginalDoll.com. And I wanted to let everyone know, over the next few weeks, we are going to be doing something fun. I'm reaching out to three of the biggest Britney Spears fans, uh, and possibly four or five. And what I want to do is, we have a donor who said... For every song that a fan of Britney Spears can guess during a Name That Tune section, we will get new toys donated for the kids we work with and gift cards and new socks, hygiene products, and more. So if you are a big Britney Spears fan, if you think you could, you know, name that tune to 50 different Britney Spears songs... Let me know. Reach out to me. Hit me up in my DMs, the.original.dal. Be sure to tell other people. Maybe you have friends that are fans of Britney Spears and can name that tune. It'll be released songs, some remixes, demos, uh, live tracks, and so many more. So for further information, follow me on Instagram. But I want to give a special shout out to all of those who have been sharing the podcast. Thank you so much. As you know, I do this to honor the legacy of all these great musicians and artists, and I love being able to give back with the charity. So thank you all so much. See you on the flip side.